and welcome to Cult Movie Cult, where we watch and discuss the horrific, the obscure, and the flat-out strange from the other side of cinema. I'm Mark Dickerson. And I'm Jeremy Fink. And this is part five and the final episode in our series Cinema Slackers, where we take a psychedelic trip through some of cinema's greatest wanderers and drifters. Kick back, roll one up, and listen in. Yeah, I'd like to place an order. Um, what you like? Yeah, I'd like uh, three orders of garlic chicken. And then? And then three orders of white rice. And then? And then... Oh, hey, you guys want soup? Sure. sure. Yeah, three orders of uh, wonton soup. And then? Oh, uh, some fortune cookies, too. Gosh, I think that's about it. And then? No, that's it. And then? No, and then. I, I, that's, that's all I want. And then? <laughs> and then, and then I'm, and then I'm, uh, then nothing else because I'm done ordering. Okay. And then? Uh, no, no. See, all, all I want is the three orders of the garlic chicken and the three orders of the white rice. Huh, and then? And the soup, dude. Oh, and, and the wonton soup. And then? And the cookies fortune. Hey, and the, and the fortune cookies, yeah. So it's just the, uh, it's the, the chicken, the rice, the soup, and the fortune cookies, and that's it. And then? And then uh, you can put it in a brown paper bag and come put it in my hand because I'm ready to eat. And then... I, I refuse to play your Chinese food mind games. And then... No! No and then! And then! 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 No! No and then! And then... Maybe you're starting to piss me off, lady. And then... <laughs> I'm gonna come in there, and I'm gonna put my foot in your ass if you say and then again! So today we'll be discussing a film that we've kept a mystery to this point, 2000's Dude, Where's My Car? Directed by Danny yeah. Liner, starring Ashton Kutcher and Sean William Scott. So, Dude, Where's My Car? follows the story of a pair of best friends, Jesse and Chester, who are both incredible stoners, as they wake up with hangovers and no memory of the previous night. They go out to find their car, to, they go out to get in their car, rather, and when they get there, they find that it's missing and embark upon a journey to find it. And that journey takes them to some very strange places, including a Chinese food restaurant, a cult that is looking for aliens, and a mini golf course where they've won a lot of pudding. This is a really wild, <laughs> strange ride, uh, extremely quotable, and kind of, uh, the best way to put it might be, a postmodern, self-referential look at the at the yeah. slacker genre. You hit it on the head. I was going to say the same thing about it, because, yeah, it's, it's very self-referential um, compared to the other films that we watch, I feel like. Um, also, it, it starts with them waking up in a haze, which is, I guess, a bit of a... That's a trope, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a bit of, bit of a uh, staple in the slack, slacker genre. Um, this one probably more than the others since it's part of the plot or the actual you know story of it. Yeah, it actually um, there's a reason for them to be waking up in the way the that they do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so because it's a PG-13 weed movie, we never actually I, I feel like they had to hide some things. We never actually see them 
um, smoking or inhaling or, or do we? I don't think we do. We see a uh, dog smoking weed. Oh, we, we see don't, a dog I don't think smoking. we actually okay. ever see a human being token up, but we see a okay. dog smoking some weed. Yeah, so it's who, more Im- implied, I guess. Who might um, be a fake dog? I don't know. I mean, we're, we're already getting on a tangent here. Which one, <laughs> once again, this is one of those movies we'll say we'll give a spoiler warning. We're gonna spoil it, but it's also there, there's kind of like one big plot point you can spoil um, in, yeah. in regards to an a mysterious object called yeah. the Continuum Transfunctioner, which well, you they're... can probably see it coming from a mile away. Yeah. Probably, um, yeah. But, but yeah, so we're definitely going to be spoiling it, but this is another one, like a lot of the movies we've talked about in this series, where the plot isn't really the most important thing. It, it kind yeah. of meanders and jumps around and has a lot of strange connections that ultimately kind of fall together, but it's really mostly just there for the laughs. Yeah. Um, well, so I talked about how they implied the smoking, but mm-hmm. this movie, this movie is in no way subtle at all. It's it's no. complete complete opposite of subtle. It's uh, <laughs> one of my notes here just says it's very stupid, yeah. and I think that's that's pretty apt. I mean, it's it's stupid, and it seems like that's kind of the point. Like it's just, it's um, it's very self aware, like you said. So it's a it seems aware of its stupidity. Um, it, it, something... it opens. It even opens with something that says based on actual events. Yeah. <laughs> which you find out within about five minutes is not true. And it's yeah. not like even like, like, like it's kind of clever, I guess, but it's also just it, like... I, I had forgotten about that. I was kind of funny when I saw that. Cause like remembering what, you know, everything that happens in the movie, it's just, it was funny to see that. It's just so um, absurd. And th- it's so absurd and so dumb. And there is something endearing about it though. Mm-hmm. Um, something, I think it was something about the fact that they have, this movie clearly has no aspirations other than to just be a dumb, silly, entertaining movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's also what drives it into that cult territory. I think that mixed with the self-awareness um, and just how they, they really go for it. They go for broke in this movie. I mean, it, it, again, not to spoil because nothing really is a spoiler here, but it, it basically ends with a giant female alien that, you know, that, that's... <laughs> Mm-hmm. that's trying to kill them it's, it's just like it goes the places it goes you know but i think actually some of the best moments in it are just like the smaller moments mm-hmm. well there's not really many small moments but i guess the the non some of the more uh you know not sci-fi related moments are, are just really funny to me yeah just like the goofy little gags like yeah, one moment just a little in between so, so just to get into the plot a little bit more yeah. because i mean once again as we always recommend watch the movie first before yes. listening to the show because especially with these kind of movies that we're talking about it's just going to make no sense. We could give you a point-by-point plot recap mm-hmm. summary, and it will still make no sense just because they're confusing, wacky movies. Um, yeah. But basically, they're looking for their car, and they find that they've been at a strip club the night before. They encounter a transgender stripper who tells them that they had a lot of money that they were throwing around that belongs to her. They go to find it. They find out that they have tattoos. They meet UFO cultists <laughs> led by mm-hmm. someone named Zoltan. Um, they have a strange run-in with a Chinese food speaker box. Uh, they find that they've bought new cars. It, it, it kind of just goes all they over the place. They end up on an ostrich farm. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it goes all over the place. Like, it, but basically, it's just them trying to find the car mm-hmm. and finding out what happened last night, and they just go from one, one thing to another. Yeah, it, it, kind, of, it kind of, in a weird way, precedes The Hangover. Um, yeah, it is kind of like that. It's yeah. kind of like The Hangover, except I think The Hangover not necessarily kept it... Uh, in the realm of realism, because there's a lot of stuff in The Hangover that's pretty absurd. But I think but that this movie... It didn't go as far as yeah. this one did. The, yeah. the, like, The Hangover said, what's the craziest thing that could kind of happen in the real world if you got mm-hmm. a little too crazy and, you know, blacked out? Yeah. This one said, what's the craziest thing that could happen in someone's imagination right. if that happened? 
Um, well, and it is and crazy. In, it is very crazy. And and in looking at all these films together for the series, um, you know, looking at the evolution of the slacker genre, uh, I think this one it makes sense to end with because mm-hmm. for better or worse, this is kind of. I mean, you could bring start to bring films like The Hangover into it, but I think mm-hmm. as a as a pure slacker movie, I I think ending with this one makes sense, mm-hmm. uh, for better or worse. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, because this one brings the sci-fi elements into it and is so self-referential, um, that it kind of takes it into a different realm in a way. Mm-hmm. Because, but at the same time, it's it's not you know there's no political or social commentary. No, really, literally, it's none. just it's purely entertainment. It's more just the slackers themselves going from one thing to another, and the slackers themselves are mostly harmless in this. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, we've seen in the past uh, films that we looked at, you know, sometimes they would have revolutionary ideas or, you mm-hmm. know, certain things they were trying to accomplish. But these two characters, uh, Chester and, uh, sorry, Chester and Jesse, uh, have no aspirations. We don't even know. We have no motivation on the characters at no. all. We don't know what they want. They, we don't know who they are. Well, they they no want to find backstory. their car. Literally, all they want to do is find their car and give their girlfriends yeah. anniversary presents, and which is noble. Yeah, There's something so simple about that. that just you, know, you don't see it in movies nowadays. Cause I feel like, especially now, um, because we're used to more ongoing series, like Netflix series and things like that, mm-hmm. I feel like... Um, audiences want a lot more backstory and a lot more filling in of the of of plot holes and things like that mm-hmm. and i feel like a movie like this is just so audacious in that respect and could it even exist in this day and age i don't know mm-hmm. um but it, it's it's kind of crazy and it's it's interesting to see what a cultural uh, phenomenon it was because i was looking up you know mm-hmm. interviews and, and clips and things like that and i forgot just how i mean the, just the title dude where's my car that was such like you know that was like a lexicon i was like People mm-hmm. knew that, like, even if they didn't really watch movies, they just knew Dude, Where's My Car, knew, you know? Yeah, yeah so, no, it really uh, blew up. It was a up. huge thing, yeah. yeah. I mean, this movie was, this was probably the biggest success of any movie that we've talked about. Maybe. You think so? Uh, in I the mean, Slacker maybe, series. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. And, oh, um, yeah, definitely in the Maybe series, Cheech and yeah. Chong, you know? Maybe, maybe. Maybe Up in Smoke, but, like, maybe. I feel like this, I mean, maybe just because it's more recent and I can personally remember right. what a massive thing it was like and this and this was one of those movies that i think you know it did really well in theaters but i think it it was kind of right at the heyday of like dvd distribution yeah and you know so i i remember having this when i was a kid i was probably way too young also you know everyone has those movies that they saw (laughs) when they're just like too young to handle and i think i saw this movie when i was maybe eight years old which is is not there's a lot of stuff in it that they, is, they sneak some stuff in yeah, there, yeah. it's, it's yeah. stuff that's confusing for an eight year old but um but I bet I mean I mean I loved it I thought it was hilarious but in a way it makes it more confusing that you don't see them smoking because then it's like yeah you know what I mean it's like are these people just I mean they're idiots clearly but yeah <laughs> no I'll, like they? I'll be told I remember seeing this when I was like eight years old and not know like I don't think I knew what a stoner was and the, yeah. the scene the, as we mentioned there's the kind of infamous scene where the dog is smoking weed. And I don't recall actually even knowing Mm -hmm. at the time what the dog was doing. I was like, Oh, why is that dog on fire? And why does it seem okay? (laughs) Okay with it. Um, (laughs) But, but it's one of those things where the, the, like the jokes in this movie are just so deeply ingrained in my mm -hmm. brain. And I would imagine the, the brains of most, Mm -hmm. I would say most white males between the ages now of like 20 and 40 years old. Um, Like, like, 
the tattoo scene is yeah it, it actually really holds up i was i was actually laughing out loud when i was well but, and it's funny because that's basically just an old abbott and costello kind oh of yeah routine. exactly um, yeah. And it, but it does it holds a beautiful no, there's some really fun i mean obviously there's a lot of stuff in this movie that like culturally is so tied to its time like there's a good charlotte song Oh, it has a pop punk vibe. All yeah, over. there's a good Charlotte song, and not in the way though. If you watch like American Pie, like it feels like that's really yeah. tied to the '90s, but somehow all that music doesn't feel like weird or out of place. You're like, oh, that you know, I believe that's what mm. those kids are listening to. But in this one, for some reason, yeah, it, it comes kind out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, like it just kind of feels like they're like, oh, yeah. good Charlotte is popular. We can sell more yeah, tickets yeah. if we have a good Charlotte song in it. We'll Throw get them, that like, audience. Well, these characters would probably listen to Good Charlotte. I mean, right? So I guess yeah. it kind of makes sense, but um. So, you know, the, watching this movie, since it's the last one in our series, I'm trying to connect it to the other movies. And as much as this film owes, you know, owes a big debt to Cheech and Chong, mm-hmm. I think it's also very much in the tradition of Bill and Ted, mm-hmm. you know, Wayne and Garth, uh, and dare I say, Biodome, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just like the lovable idiots. And I think that is, oh, and also Dumb and Dumber. Is a Dumb big, and Dumber, yeah, that definitely. Yeah. Which came, Dumb and um, Dumber was 90s or was that 2000s? That was 90s. That was 90s. That was, 90s. Like 90, that was that preceded this. I think, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So, it's it's very much in that tradition, um, more than Cheech and Chong. Would, would you agree with that? Yeah. No. The, I mean, these guys are just such absurd characters. And the way they deal with situations and, like, the, the kind of... Um, They're lovable. They're lovable Like, like, like it's kind of yeah. like the two Stooges, almost. Yeah. You know, um, but kind of without the straight man, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. It's like, and they're they're really the only, I guess the only, the closest thing we have to like a straight man character in this film is the twins, um, but even they seem to kind of absurdly go along with everything that happens, and I think that's what kind of makes this movie so crazy. Is yeah, everyone's that, like on the same plane. Almost. Yeah, like everyone is yeah. just has their head in the clouds. They're really wild. Yeah, Even like the, that's so like true. like there's like this this jock character. I almost said the jock like a French character. <laughs> this jock character yeah. who is uh you know he's always saying like stoner bashing time and he's threatening <laughs> to beat these guys up. Um, yeah. but even he, he's so over the top and weird. Oh like God. if you think about it's that so, guy existing, it's so funny because what is it like a half, like a half hour into the movie or maybe even 45 minutes, they cut back to the, the jock characters and there's, and all they're talking about is, Hey, remember we beat up those stoners? Like, yeah. it, it's so self-aware. Like, yeah. it's so funny. like they're kind of all just such one dimensional characters, but like yeah. not in a way, like, I, like, I don't mean that as an insult. You know, because I—it's clearly what they were going. For. Yeah, I like—I yeah. I can't picture this working with any kind of complex character, no. literally anywhere. Maybe the only complex character is Zoltan. Um, <laughs> yeah. Zoltan He's got being something else going on. <laughs> yeah, he, Zoltan being the leader of this UFO cult, um, who still lives with his parents, but has set up a cult in a barn <laughs> next to their very nice large house. He maybe is complicated. You know, he maybe has some kind of, um, you know, insecurity issue going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's also right. So, you know, he has also totally predicted the aliens and figured it all out. So, you know, maybe he's justified in setting up right. a cult because it's not unfounded. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's just such an absurd... Uh, like, there's one scene with a... a chi- they go to order Chinese food. Um, this this is... Would you say this is the most famous scene of the movie? This and the tattoo scene. This and the tattoo the scene are probably the two most famous. Um, but they go to order Chinese food and they're at this little drive-through which is interesting yeah. i i mean maybe it's a thing in california yeah i've never ordered i don't think i've ever ordered <laughs> chinese, chinese food, food at a drive-through, drive-through. Um, right. which also maybe it's just something they made up for this movie i would not put it past them yeah uh-huh. um just to, for the sake of efficiency maybe they just couldn't get mm-hmm. a chinese food location which would make no sense 
because well, it was fun. It's also funnier coming from the speaker. Yeah, it is funny. <laughs> yeah, because if it was if it was a real person, so basically they you know they order their food, you know wonton soup, dumplings, and the 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 speaker box. This woman just keeps saying the words and then. Um, and it gets to an absurd point where they're done putting the order in and she says, and then, and then the Ashton Kutcher character is like, and then you can, you know, put it in a box and, and he starts to lose it and he ends up smashing this box. Uh, but it's kind of funny because of how long he just goes along with it. Like you, as, as the audience, you realize probably after the third time Mm -hmm. she says, and then that it's just going to keep going, but he just keeps going along with it. And it's It's almost that old style of comedy where it's like, you can see it coming, Mm -hmm. but it's still funny when it gets there, which is interesting. And Mm -hmm. also, um, you know, now that you're talking about it and I'm thinking of it in a different way, not that this movie's deep at all, but in some no, ways... No, let's, that... let's analyze it. Let's dig in. Well, let's, let's analyze You know what? That's what we do here. So yeah. that's what we're going to do. So just analy- taking that scene and analyzing it, you know, that is what the movie is. It's mm-hmm. It starts off kind of like, oh, this is weird. Okay. And then it keeps going. And then it gets yeah. weirder and weirder uh, because the film, it, it definitely escalates. You know, the weirdness, as the film goes, the weirdness escalates. So um, until the point where, you know, someone snaps or does something. So I think that scene is actually kind of... Um, the movie in a nutshell. In a yeah, way. yeah, it's kind of indicative, and it, it's funny too because it's also kind of how the movie is, like you said, like it's how it's written. It's not one of those movies where the conflict is really, um, you know, they they talk about in writing a lot of the time how you you want to avoid the idea of and then and want to go for the idea of but therefore. So it's you know a bad story is you know Bob walked across the street and then he went and bought some food. And a good story would be, you know, Bob was walking across the street, but he got hit by a car. Therefore, he ended up in the hospital. And that's a more interesting story because it's a change of plans. And this yeah. this is one of those movies, like, there are obstacles, but they're kind of presented in an and-then way. You know, <laughs> it's like, which, yeah. which is, I'm sure, sure, something that the filmmakers were not thinking about. I, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm pretty yeah. positive. It I wasn't, think they were just... Trying yeah. to make an entertaining, funny movie, and that's you know that's pretty much what it is. Yeah, and this movie um, is basically it's just a sequence of and then events like oh you know they go to the strip club and and then this happens and then they meet this and then there's <laughs> like like the obstacles that are presented are kind of totally unrelated and in the yeah. end they kind of tie together. Um, but but it yeah, is a little bit. Uh-huh. It is just kind of this movie that and and I think that's what kind of makes it so perfect for the stoner genre. And also side note, this movie critically was panned. Like yeah. critics hated this movie it thoroughly has a 30 30 metascore yeah I, metascore, I think i read uh, a quote it. at some point uh, let me see if i can find this quote uh they said any civilization that can produce a movie this stupid probably deserve probably deserves to be hit by famine and pestilence uh, but that, it's funny because well that's, <laughs> that comes from the usa today <laughs> usa today wow yeah. um well it's interesting because we've talked about bad movies before in fact we had a whole series just talking about uh, bad movies um but those movies in my opinion were not self-aware they were not trying to be bad movies mm-hmm. this movie in some ways it was trying to be that you know what i mean yeah it's i think i mean at least i that's my impression when i watched this movie mm-hmm. is that they knew what they were doing um yeah they were just making a crazy movie and i think an important aspect here is the runtime this movie is an hour and 23 23 minutes so mm-hmm. it does not overstay its welcome which is important because if this went on, even if this went on another 10, 15 minutes, oh, it'd, be it'd be absurd. Like, it'd, it'd be, be so too much. It'd be too much. So, mm-hmm. yeah, the fact that it's like comes in at a lean 123, it's like, all right, you know, you, you watch it, you have fun, you laugh, and it's over. Um, and I think the film, 
I think it does reach a point where it becomes a full-on cult film. And that moment for me, um, does the ostrich farm happen before the cult scene? Or is that, I can't remember. I think it's right after. It's right after. Okay. Mm -hmm. For some reason, it's like those two scenes that like when that happens, yeah. when they when they go out to this farm and there's like, a, you know, maybe because there is a cult there, but, you know, they end up on an ostrich farm. And at that point, it's like, what is going on? Like what any semblance of plot is just gone. Like, and, and that's when you realize that they're just, you know, realize what they're going for. And I think they almost wanted this to be a cult movie. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think they did. And it's interesting because you see like a lot of movies come out. And you can tell that they're trying really hard to be a cult movie. And normally when someone is trying to be oh, a cult movie, it fails horribly. But for some reason, this one... We will never watch... We will never discuss any of those movies on this show. I, I can go on record as saying that. Yeah, but for the some first reason... One that, the first one that comes to mind, sorry to cut you off, I just... Uh, mm -hmm. Repo, the genetic opera, whatever it was called. Something like that. Repo. It was, like a, yeah. it was a musical. Um, but that was billed as like, you know, the next Rocky Horror and we're going to make a cult yeah. film. And you can't do that. You can't no, it has make to happen something organically. It has to happen organically. But you can put certain elements in your film mm -hmm. where you might have an inkling that it could go in that direction. Right. So yeah. that's that's kind of what happened here, I feel like. But yeah, but and I, but I do I almost feel like they were trying really hard. Like they were, they were like, we're going to try to make this Cheech and Chong movie. We're going to try to make, you know. Yeah, and I think, uh, but, but it I think, worked if for some reason. It, it, but it, I think even trying to make a Cheech and Chong movie in the two thousands, I think that just makes it a cult film. That's because true. No, nobody was really doing that. You know what I mean? And the, and it was also a time. I feel like now it's harder to make a cult movie because things are kind of so spread out, yeah. um, in terms of how people consume things that right. you can have a cult following, but the like it wouldn't be known as a cult movie. You know what I mean? Because it's like, like it, it would just kind of stay contained. A lot of the discussion would kind of be on the internet. Like, yeah. like at this point, I think for something to kind of become a cult thing, it has to be a bit of a phenomenon in the time it comes out. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that a lot of these movies that we talk about as cult movies were aided by VHS and DVD. Yes. Um, so I think, you know, you see something now where someone is trying really hard to make a movie that would be a quote-unquote cult movie and it, it's just kind of weird because it's on streaming you know yeah. and you like you see it once but then you're, you're just going to move on and go to something else where and and you're not probably going to get the same amount of rewatches um you know mm -hmm. and people do rewatch things obviously but i think that generally these days rewatching is saved for really 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 great movies and obviously right. there are a lot of really 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 great cult movies um but I think that there's also this whole other side of cult movies, you know, because I, I, I would be the first to say probably, I mean, I don't know the percentage, but maybe half of the movies we talk about on this podcast are not necessarily considered great movies, you know, mm -hmm. they're considered to be movies that have, that people love dearly, but not necessarily, favorite movies, they're but maybe favorite not. movies, but not necessarily yeah. great. And I think that a lot of that comes from the fact, like, for example, I don't think I ever owned a DVD of this movie. But I remember renting it, and when you have one movie to watch for a week, you know, and you watch it over and over and over again, because yeah. what else are you going to do for five days um, when you're 10 years old and have, you know, friends over? Um, it's like you watch it over and over again, and that's kind of what gives it that cultish thing. And I think that this was one of the last movies maybe that yeah, caught yeah. that wave because shortly – I mean, this came out in 2000, so there, were, there was still a little bit of yeah. time after that. Um, with DVDs, but I'm trying to think about like something what? just this absurd that came out mm -hmm. at maybe like Borat. I don't know. Yeah, you know? maybe. Yeah, but I, it's interesting what you're saying because yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, 
the amount of cult movies will they decrease as time goes i mean there maybe there'll be underground movies like mm-hmm. primer you know primer came out 2000s um and mm-hmm. that was kind of under the radar so i think things like that will still happen well, and think, then, yeah and there i mean there yeah. are still there's still like like have you ever heard of that movie rubber i have heard of that yeah, yeah. so there's the, a movie the called rubber which is have you seen it mark or no um i haven't seen it no it, it's actually really good i was like is it? Okay. yeah it's, it's pretty cool um so like there there are cult movies but it's one of those weird things where they, I think they have an underground following, like you said, a lot more. Like, dude, where's my car? Like, a lot of people saw this movie. Like, mm-hmm. a lot, a lot of people. And, you know, like, no one's quoting rubber. You know what I mean? Even <laughs> if it's great. Yeah. Like, no one's quoting. It's, it's, it hasn't worked its way mm-hmm. into the cultural zeitgeist. Yeah. In a way that dude, where's my car could have, Wayne's World could have. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like, it's just a right. different environment. It was it was different. It was. Um that's interesting to see where yeah where cult movies go um, mm-hmm. from here, and maybe it lies in TV, you know, which, which is possible. Um, I yeah. you know I kind of have a feeling that I mean we're already starting to see it a little bit. This being March twenty nineteen, um, we're we're already starting to, in my opinion, starting to see a little bit of a shift away from TV back towards movies. At least personally, a lot of the like hot button you need to see this. Uh, you know, moving image events of the past year that I've heard about have been movies. You know, like the, you hear the people first one that came to mind was Mandy. I, yeah. I haven't seen it yet, but Mandy, that, yeah. um, or even like more popular ones like Bird Box. You know, like like it seems oh, like it Bird seems Box, like, yeah. like like I haven't been hearing is because there was a, a while there where all you would hear is people talking about you know the shows. Have you seen Breaking Bad? Have you seen Stranger mm-hmm. Things? Have you seen this? And and now it seems like a lot of the things people are kind of catching and collectively deciding are awesome and need to be part of the cultural zeitgeist. Mm. Uh, it seems like they're going back towards mo- that movie Velvet Buzzsaw with Jake Gyllenhaal that just came out. I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty wacky one, but it's one of those things where, like, you know, it's once it starts getting, like, turned into memes, you yeah. know, it's like, oh, you know, this probably is going to be something that gets talked about or referenced mm-hmm. five years from now. I wonder if part of now. that... I wonder if part of that is oversaturation with... In, like you talked about with um, TV, mm-hmm. uh, because it, when TV did go through sort of a renaissance with Breaking Bad, Sopranos, you know, all those mm-hmm. really great shows that people, you know, were, were always talking about. Um, but now we have so much out there in mm-hmm. general, you know, movies too. But I think TV especially, like there's so many different streaming series out there. Um, I think that maybe you're right. Maybe it'll go back to movies for a little bit where people yeah. start to you know, identify certain movies that they want to keep going back to and things like that or analyze. Well, and historically it is, and I know we're kind of straying from dude, where's my car, but I think that, you know, if it inspires a, if it's appropriate that we stray and get into something else, but I think that it is kind of a cyclical thing. If historically you look at how movies and TV have played off of each other, um, you know, when one is really thriving, the other is normally suffering. Um, So, you know, you look back in the 1950s, like TV was booming and movies yeah. were kind of freaking out, so they started making all these giant epics, and that's when we started getting CinemaScope and, you know, mm-hmm. like all these crazy... And it's, and it's the same thing that's happening now, where I, I, a lot of the time what happens is when one is struggling, the other will try to solve its woes via technology. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like in, in the 90s, I think that, you know, in 90s and early 2000s, I think that movies were kind of the thing. Um, especially with DVDs and all of that. And, you know, they were really this thriving thing. And TV was maybe struggling a little bit um, during that time. But then, you know, TV started getting bigger and nicer. And it became more of an immersive experience to watch television. Yeah. And uh, and, and, and it kind of shifts back and forth. So I don't know. I'm curious to see um, where it goes now that it seems like we're kind of set in such a way where people can basically 
have a movie theater, not exactly, but pretty close to a movie theater experience in their own home. You know, like I recently bought a projector and it wasn't even an expensive projector, but that paired with like a pretty cheap speaker, pretty cheap Bluetooth speaker is a pretty damn immersive movie Mm -hmm. watching experience. Um, Maybe even more so because it's like intimate, you know. Yeah, it's intimate. It's more, yeah. So, so, um, so it'll be interesting. Yeah, yeah. It, it will be interesting to see where it goes. Um, but just to bring it back around to this movie, I just want to um, talk about the cast. Actually, um, mm-hmm. how, so for me, I feel like the cast is pretty important in a movie like this because it's all character based and, and joke after joke. So um, you're gonna hold on to things that you can, and I think one of those is these two characters that bring us through the whole thing. How do you feel about Ashton Kutcher I, and Sean William Scott in this movie? I feel like they did fine. You know, I yeah, mean, it's one of those things yeah. where it's like, what are they going to do? Exactly. <laughs> like, like, yeah. they, like they and played the jokes pretty well. Um, they they seem pretty Kutcher, natural. Ashton Kutcher had just come from that 70s show. Mm-hmm. Actually, he's probably still even uh, Yeah, I think he's still on it. So he was kind of like a breakout star at that point um, because he was popular on that 70s show. I do remember that at the time. Um, and then he did, you know, it's like the whole thing. Can he make the transition to movies? Mm-hmm. And this movie was, to, in my opinion, the perfect movie for him to be in. Yeah. Because I don't know if you watched that 70s show, but Kelso mm-hmm. is pretty much this character. Yeah. Um, same thing. So well, I think it was great. This was a good role for him because, A, it launched, you know, it was good because it was something that was familiar. But it was also interesting seeing him be the one we're following around because in that mm-hmm. 70s show he was kind of you know he wasn't the main character he would have his little stories from time to time but but he was mm-hmm. kind of more of like a b character um mm-hmm. whereas in this movie you really get to see him and you i mean because ashton kutcher it, it's hard to picture it now because he's kind of which is interesting i listened to an interview with uh, Mila Kunis recently, who I think is his wife or partner. I'm not exactly sure. Oh, are um, they married in real life? Or? I don't know if they're married. They are, they are together. Yeah. They have like a kid or something. I, I heard her on the What the Fuck podcast with Mark they Maron. Were, they were together on the that 70s show. Yeah, um, but apparently now Ashton Kutcher has gotten really into tech. Um, yeah, I, I know that about he's him. He's like yep. super into tech. He has his one show, The Ranch. I don't watch it. I've heard good things. Yeah. Um, but, it, it, but if you think back maybe like 10 years ago, you know, 15 years ago, like Ashton Kutcher was a really big star for a while there. Like he Butterfly was a fly effect. Yeah, he was in a lot yeah, of stuff. Like he was a big and that and also just, you know, cultural like he did punked. You know what I mean? Punked, and that right. was that, like that, like that was a cultural phenomenon. That wasn't yeah. like that wasn't a little thing. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like that punked was punked was a verb for a while there, you know? Like not, you know, I'm gonna punk it was like punked. And mm-hmm. so he was big and I think that this movie really showed like, wow, this guy is a star. Even if it was mm-hmm. kinda goofy and stupid, like he's fun to watch. It, he is fun to watch. Undoubtedly. Yeah. He's a fun person to watch on screen. And I think that Sean, Sean William Scott is fun to watch too. And what's yeah. interesting is he was probably the bigger star coming into this movie. Well, he was from the American Pie yeah, movies. Yeah, he was in the American, and, playing Stifler. And he was, you know, and this actually shows his range because he's known mm-hmm. as Stifler, mm-hmm. who, if you've ever seen the American Pie movies, um, he's, you know, he's just an asshole. He's <laughs> pretty much, he, he's just the biggest, you know, dick that there could be. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this movie, he's very charming and lovable. You know, the two of them together are just very like, you know, that's how, that's the impression I got anyway. Um, so that kind of shows how he could play more of a dopey character. Mm-hmm. Um, it actually reminds me a little bit, although Jeff Daniels is, in my opinion, a much, you know, much yeah. better, more varied actor, mm-hmm. um, more seasoned actor. But when he did Dumb and Dumber, you know, it showed his range that he could play a dumb person, that he could play an idiot um, and he could be very funny. Um, so it's kind of in that vein, uh, a similar vein anyway, uh, how I saw it. Yeah. yeah. And there's a few other little gems in this cast. Um 
like Jennifer, uh, well, Jennifer Garner, Gardner. Jennifer yeah. Gardner is in this playing one of the twins, which is the girlfriends of these guys. Mm-hmm. Which is a weird side note, weird situation, which I never even questioned before. But they have the same anniversary, which I thought was funny. <laughs> yeah, that is funny. Actually. <laughs> like I know, like, like that they they just happen to. I guess both start dating like on the yeah. exact same day, like because the twins just do every. Which that was actually one of the things that like was to me the funniest thing about this movie, and I've definitely seen it before. But th- these twins that they were like they said the exact same thing, and kind of finished each other's sentences, like. But you know, and you you've seen that with like close twins in movies who can kind of do that stuff. But the fact that it was pretty much every single <laughs> sentence they said yeah. was shared, I thought was actually really, really funny. <laughs> it is funny. Because, you know, when you, yeah. I, like I've met twins who, you know, obviously this is an exaggerated version, but you're kind of like, like well, they're like, kind of reading each other's minds and it's a little freaky. And this was, it's like everything else in the movie. It's like, if we're going to make twins and they're going to be <laughs> full on twins, like they're going to do everything yeah. exactly the same. Except um, they're not identical. <laughs> except they're not identical. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, there's a it's a pretty good cast actually. Um, Andy Dick as the guy in the cage, right? Or freakinacage.com. I thought that was really funny. Um, and uh, there's uh, who else? Oh, uh, Hal Sparks as the cult leader Zoltan. Mm-hmm. I thought he was good because he's he's like that perfect. Um, you know, he still lives with his parents. Like that kind of role um, is perfect for him. Uh, David Herman is in it for just a little bit. He's pretty funny. He's always funny and everything. Um, um, and um, I want to give a shout to Donkey Lips um, from. Uh, from salute your shorts michael bauer have you have you seen salute your shorts no i haven't seen it no oh might might be a little older for you but yeah go go back and check that out it's like an old nickelodeon show about uh kids in camp and he played donkey lips and he's he's one of the cult members who wears the bubble wrap and Um, uh another another fun cast member i mean not as big but uh, i'm gonna totally butcher this pronunciation but mary lynn radscub uh who i just recently rewatch punch drunk love and she's in that um playing oh. one of adam sandler's sisters oh, okay. um so th- there's these like weird crossovers where the, yeah you know there, there are a lot of people in this movie who kind of had like journeyman careers mm-hmm. you know you, you didn't see it like obviously jennifer gardner became a big star ashton kutcher became a big star but, like christy swanson was in this playing the uh the character named christy boner which was um yeah so so yeah so there's just like yeah. there's just a lot of like it's random absurd. people who it's pop r- up and yeah it's, it's an absurd movie it's a ridiculous movie um uh-huh. but it's fun it, it's really yeah and i do want to mention the uh director who we just figured out how to say his name danny liner mm-hmm. uh we're pretty sure that's correct yeah. um he so he went on to do uh he he made the first harold and kumar movie which is which makes so much sense it's very mm-hmm. much an extension of this movie and uh they do go full on into the stoner aspect in that one um and he directed a lot of tv um didn't do too much else he did another movie with uh sean william scott later like 2009 um but he actually just passed away last last year i believe so from lung cancer um so that you know it's sad and um i think this was a good lasting uh just very entertaining movie this and and harold and kumar you could argue are kind of like one in the same vein um Mm -hmm. and i think that you know that's there's very few movies you could just throw on and just have a good time laugh and not have to think about it and Mm -hmm. uh both of those movies are, are like that so it's pretty cool um and the writer didn't do too much i saw he just wrote some he wrote uh some season one south park episodes and he Ooh. worked on uh that 70s show uh as well but in the way of film he hasn't done much else um so it's it's one of those just like you know one of those anomalies almost this movie mm-hmm. um and i like to try to connect things back uh to the other films in the series now that we're concluding everything 
Um, and one thing I noticed, Jeremy, um, literally didn't notice it till I was thinking about this movie. Um, all the films in the series, they take place during a very short, continuous amount of time. Mm. Um, they're almost, I mean, a couple of them of them are a day in the life, uh, Clerks and Slacker. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, they all, yeah, I mean, the Cheech and Chong movie. Like two days. Yeah, yeah, Big Lebowski is like one continuous time. So, mm-hmm. is it? Do you think there's something about this genre that lend, lends itself to a shorter time period, like more of like a moment in time kind of aspect? Yeah, that's a really interesting point. I hadn't really considered that, but now that you're mentioning it, I, I think that it probably is the fact that these movies tend to be meandering, and um, I think it's hard to have something meandering that takes place over time, over a long period of time, because the change would be too great. You know, things would happen in the world. But I think this idea... Because you know what's interesting, and going back to The Big Lebowski briefly, is how that movie kind of played off the big sleep in the film noir genre. I think that in a way, all of these movies kind of have a similarity to that. um, Or a similarity to this idea of mystery, in that the joy in following these characters around, these kind of stoner slacker characters, is that... um, you you get to just watch them wander. You get to watch them figure things out. But rather than figuring things out in a complicated, sly way like a detective might, they're figuring things out in a really absurd, goofy way. Um, it's almost by accident that they figure things. Yeah, out. it's by accident. Things things kind of once again back to this idea of agency. Like things happen to them, um, and I think that putting that in a short period of time just. Uh, pushes that idea even further because if this was you know if this was a story that took place over two weeks it wouldn't a you know the 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 memory idea would be kind of weird because they'd be figuring (laughs) things out at a very slow pace and probably Uh not even care two weeks later even more probably yeah yeah um but and i think the fact that it kind of all happens in rapid succession like that makes it really feel like oh like wow look how you know just like out of hand well it's like you said the movies are like almost a moment in time and these characters, mm-hmm. these slacker characters are like a moment in time. Yeah. Sort of. Well, and I think so, it's also a philosophical thing where it's like people who are like this are probably a lot more focused on the present moment. Yeah, that's true. That's than true. they would be in the future. So it's like, I, I especially if they're under the influence or, or the path. Yeah, yeah. So I, I have a hard time seeing either of the characters in this movie or really most of the characters from any of the movies we watch with the exception of, uh, of maybe Walter from the Big Lebowski, anyone really dwelling on the past um, in these movies or, or worrying yeah, about the future. Yeah. yeah, it seems like they're just kind of like, like you know, like in the Big Lebowski. They're it's in like, the moment. Like, I, the you moment. know, the rug really tied the room together. In Clerks, it's like, I'm not even supposed to be here today. In Dude, Where's My Car? It's, dude, where's my car? You know, like, there's like, mm-hmm. like, there's like one idea that's going to carry their whole day, but like when that day is done, they're going to go to sleep and they'll wake up and the next day there'll probably be something else. It's not gonna. It's not gonna be this continuous thing where something is weighing them down for weeks on end. It's like each day presents its own joys, and each day presents they, its own challenges. They take it a day at a time. Yeah, and I think more than any other series, there has been a direct correlation between you know from film to film, mm-hmm. um, because we did go in chronological order. And I think you know these, the creators of these films. I think even if it's in the back of their minds, they're definitely thinking of each of these movies that, mm-hmm. that came before them that explore these these types of ideas, these types of characters. And we actually talked about it a little bit, Jeremy, uh, before we recorded that, you know, the scene in uh, Big Lebowski where he loses his car and he says, dude, where's your car? Where's my car, dude? Uh, 
that dialogue is taken almost verbatim in this mm-hmm. movie uh, that we're talking about now. So, Maybe we don't know. We don't know well, exactly. We, we, I mean, if and whether or not it was intentional mm-hmm. or not, we don't know. But, but it worked its way in. There is some sort of yeah mm-hmm. correlation there between all these movies. Either that, or it's just an experience that people you know with this personality type. <laughs> yeah, I just maybe occasionally forget where they park their car at. <laughs> they lose their car. Hey, it's <laughs> happened to me before, so I yeah, mean, it happens. We've all we've all um, forgot, but it, it might be you know for people who are adults who have real responsibilities but spend most of their days smoking copious amounts of weed. You know, maybe <laughs> losing your car is kind of a more regular occurrence instead of yeah. something that just happens occasionally in a crowded supermarket. It doesn't always lead to, you know, finding yeah. out about aliens and stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was one thing I wanted to ask you real quick. How did the sci-fi elements work for you in this movie? I mean, I thought it was funny. It, it's, yeah. it's so they're absurd. Si- they're silly, like, I don't yeah. think it can work or not work. If it's funny, it works. If it, I, I love probably my... Did you find it funny, I guess? Yeah, probably my favorite scene, or what, not my favorite scene, but one of my favorite gags from this entire movie is the bubble wrap jumpsuits. Oh. That the Zoltan that's, that's people my are wearing. It's that is so, so funny. funny. <laughs> and you know, and it's sci-fi, and it's one of those things where unless they were willing to take this risk into the whole sci-fi absurd thing, mm-hmm. we wouldn't get jokes like that. But there's something so low budget. Well, we talked about lo-fi sci-fi yeah. before, and that's something there's something so low budget about that idea that I just love. It's just like yeah. we we you know, we're <laughs> these pathetic costumes they couldn't they couldn't figure out what else to wear, so we're just gonna put this bubble wrap yeah, on. Yeah, put the bubble wrap on. But like, once again, it, but it's it's crazy because it's it's justified because they're right. Like that that is one of like the most funny things about this whole movie. In a movie full of absurd people with no clue what's going on, that these basically like goofy sci-fi nerds have figured out one of the most complicated, mysterious things in the history of human existence. And all they want to do is like, like, cause I think there's a line in there somewhere where it's like, we need to go see the aliens so we can have friends, which is actually like, it's like really sad. It's really tender and tragic, but it's also like so funny because like this, these nerds, like just because they're lonely, like they clearly have friends, they all have each other, but like at no point do they realize that they think that all of their answers lie in like finding these aliens with their, and then like going to the aliens with their bubble wrap. Like they're, it's kind of like this sad, um, like goofy thing, but because it's so absurd it makes it funny like you don't feel bad for them because ultimately like i said they're right but also just because it's so like like the way they move through the world is so goofy and they don't seem upset like they're Mm -hmm. like like no it's it's just there's something endearing about it. yeah it's very endearing a lot a lot of the characters in this are have that that notion to them and uh Mm -hmm. it it just reminds me like when i I was younger i made like a pseudo sci-fi movie for you know zero dollars and i had you know those uh things you put up in your car uh windshield to yeah, yeah. To, for the heat mm-hmm. um i use that and called it a space blanket so to me it's just like using you know like that idea of just using something stupid and, and calling it something else like it's just something fun and unlike you know it's irreverent and uh it works for this movie but the fact that the 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 jesse and chester recognize it that it's just bubble wrap and can't yeah. resist popping that's the funny part yeah <laughs> it's so, like, they, so they, funny they, because yeah. like no one can resist that yeah <laughs> there's just nothing sacred in this movie like i was thinking yeah. about that because there are a lot of like quite frankly there are a lot of jokes in this movie that if they came out in a movie today oh totally. it, would, it would the movie would be so chastised for being politically yes. incorrect like it probably would not even get a release oh, it wouldn't even um yeah. but like i was thinking about it like this movie is kind of an equal opportunity destroyer because like everyone in the movie gets made fun of, you know yeah. what I mean? Like there, like there's, and some of the jokes probably go too far because yeah. of who was involved in the writing and what the jokes are and a lack of mm-hmm. understanding of yeah. you know certain cultures or whatever. But it's just like at literally anyone in this movie is just mm-hmm. getting totally 
obliterated. Yeah, including the Joseph, main characters. Including the main yeah. characters. Like no, like no one is impervious to being made yeah. to look absurd. It's because it it's so clearly does not take itself seriously that I think it gets away with it. Mm-hmm. Even in 2019, I mean, I totally know what you're saying. Like, there's some jokes in there where I'm like, ooh, you know, that wouldn't yeah. work now. You know, but but it kind of still does because it's just so silly. It's, the whole thing is just so silly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it kind of kind of works. Like um, Yeah, like they're never making a political statement. No, no. They're by never putting going... these jokes in. They're just yeah. trying to do things that at the time yeah. were funny and yeah. now maybe are cringy, but... Right, you know, but the, the ambition was definitely yeah, <laughs> it was low. So it, yeah. you know, they they were they weren't shooting for like yeah. trying to make any grand statement. No, here. they, they were just trying, trying to make people laugh, and sometimes it could be kind of cheap and goofy, yeah. And part but... of that is you know, like the time it came out, two thousand, like yeah, you know, it's just like uh, reality of of you know, looking back with hindsight, like you wouldn't realize that at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it you would probably, but yeah, <laughs> but I mean, for the most part, I think they their attentions were so, yeah. Some some were of the fun. jokes are like bowl haircuts, where at the time it seemed like a good idea, but then you look yeah. back at it years later and you realize maybe you uh... there's some gender stuff there. I mean, yeah. like the the male stripper or the mm-hmm. the trans strippers played for laughs, obviously, mm-hmm. and you know, but that's there was a lot of the attitudes at the, at the time, you know, for whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, if you're gonna go after this movie, you would probably have to go after a lot of other movies yeah, as yeah. well. Um, from that time so you know that mm-hmm. aside i think it still holds up and i think it's still f- i was still laughing out loud during mm-hmm. it so yeah um particularly the bubble wrap and the, the bubble uh, wrap <laughs> the tattoo scene for some reason tattoo scene. A- as much as that should not be funny it's just there's something because mm-hmm. there is that abbott and costello element where it's like mm-hmm. that old timey uh rhythm to it almost mm-hmm. and like it's just something about it it's just very funny another really funny gag i know we're kind of rambling on these guys but there's there's a lot of just like good jokes a lot of gags like uh th- there's there's one part where the twins work at a camp for the blind and um it's just it's just this little quick moment that has no relation to any of the rest of the story yeah. but there's a kid trying to hit a baseball off of a tee and um because the kid is blind they they've put like a beeping sound in the baseball so he can know where it is and hit it and uh-huh. but then the, there's a camp counselor helping him out and the camp counselor's beeper starts going off and the kid just whacks him square in the nuts with the bat <laughs> and the kid starts celebrating because he thinks he hit the ball and it's like yeah. it's so absurd like it's such a like and for no reason at all for no reason at all like it's it, literally like it they, never they comes back funny. Yeah, yeah it never comes back funny. at any other point but and then there's yeah just and, and that's the nature Lots of this of stuff movie. like that it's just yeah. lots of gags. Lots of gags. Um, so, the slacker film comes in many varieties and genres uh, and will continue to evolve, I think. Uh, we mm-hmm. did discuss a little bit with uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's Inherent Vice, how that owes something to Big Lebowski. Uh, and we talked about mystery, detective stories. That's very much one of those. Um, also based on a book, but still it's, it's in that slacker genre, I would say. I would try to argue that at least. Um, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna watch it continue to evolve. But I think uh, for our purposes, I think this would be the perfect film to end on. What do you think, Jeremy? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening to Cult Movie Cult. You can find us on iTunes, Podbean, and Spotify, as well as Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you have any cult films you'd like to hear us discuss on the show, please feel free to reach out to us at cultmoviecult@gmail.com. This has been Cult Movie Cult, and until next time, so long from the other side.